0: All right, so Luke chapter 22. We're going to start there at verse 31. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Start at verse 31. I'm going to preach this morning on the fall and rise of Peter. The fall and rise of Peter. This will be... I'm going to do this in two sermons. I'm going to preach this morning on the fall, the fall of Peter. And there's a step process, there's a process, there's a step of the fall of Peter. As you see Peter take his fall. And if, you, if you'll stick with me and Lord willing, try to make it back up here next Sunday and the Lord doesn't rapture us out of here, I'm going to preach on the rise of Peter. And that's just as interesting as the rise of Peter. But we're, we're, this morning we're going to focus on the fall the fall of Peter. So let's get to context before we get into this. That what's happened is the Lord has done, we've had the Lord's Supper. The Lord's instituted the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, as people know it. He says, This, this cup is this, this grape juice, this cup is the blood of, he's about to sacrifice. This bread is my body, I'm about to break for you. And he institutes that. But after that, and you can go home and read this, I can't do it for time's sake, but after that, they start arguing, the disciples. Who is the greatest? Who's the greatest disciple? Didn't that sound like what a bunch of men would do? No, I'm better. No, I'm better. I thought, no, he's the leader. They started arguing about that, and the Lord gives them the answer. Look at verse 26. He gives them the answer. But ye shall not look at verse 26 of Luke chapter 22. He said, "But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that." Does serve. So he pretty much straightens them out and says, hey, anybody, any of y'all that wants to be greatest around here, you got to be the least. You're going to be a servant. But what's interesting about that, if you think about that and that argument about that, if I had to put my two cents in, I'm going to say that I would probably pick Peter as being the greatest disciple. And probably should be the leader. Because if you think about Peter, it, it was Peter? Peter's always one of the first ones, Peter was always the first one to speak up and say, "Lord, you're the Christ, the Son of God." He's the first one to do that. Peter the one that had the guts and the courage to step out and walk on the water to Jesus. Amen. You think about Peter, and he was very bold for Jesus Christ. And I could see how somebody, and it would be more evident to most of the other disciples, they'd say, Well, you know what? I'd choose him because he's the one that's been stepping out for you. He's been one that's been kind of leader. And if you think about it, whenever Jesus Christ would do a special miracle, he'd always take three of his disciples with him. He had his twelve, and then when he'd go to do a special miracle, the Bible says he'd take three more, three of those twelve. So he'd have the twelve, and then he'd take uh, these other three uh, out of those twelve and take those three with him, and those three were Peter, James, and John. So there's another part of the Scriptures where James and John's mom was (laughs) up there arguing, trying to say that John should get one side of Jesus' side and James should get the other side of Jesus' side when they sinned in the kingdom. And the reason why she probably was saying that, because she noticed too that whenever the Lord went off by himself and did something special, he only took three of those 12 disciples, and it was Peter, James, and John. So she tried to kick Peter out and said, well, James, my son sit on this side, and my other son should sit on that side. And of course the Lord said, hey, it's not my place to give it. And we know that place is Moses and Elijah, according to Scripture. But you see there was an argument going on there. And there's no doubt to me that that argument included Peter, that Peter would have been one that would have been chosen as being the leader. So knowing all of that, look at verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, what the Lord's saying to Simon is, he's saying the, Lord wants, the Lord's saying Satan wants to have you, he wants to grab you, and he wants to sift you as weak. What he's trying to tell Simon is, Simon, Simon Peter, what Satan wants to do is he wants to grab you, he wants to shake you, and what they do is they'd sift that, sifted as wheat, he'd sift you, and he'd try to get all the shaft out of it, and you get the good wheat. So when you did, what, like the old timers, I, I remember the old timers would take flour and they would take that flour and they'd put the flour in there and they'd do like that and they'd roll that flour and try to get all the clumps out of there and get the boll weevils or whatever was in there. And only the good stuff would come out, but it would leave the bad stuff. And that's what Satan wants to do to Peter. He wants to shake all that stuff out of Peter and bring out his bad traits. He wants to bring out his bad traits. Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Verse 32, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that this sermon, Lord God, to be your sermon, your words, Lord God. I pray you'd hide me behind the cross, and Lord, I pray you'd cover me in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, fill me with you, Holy Spirit, Lord. God, and give me that unction from on high, Lord, that only you could give, and Lord, I pray, Father, that your people have a heart to receive it, Lord God, and Lord, help us to see Peter, Lord, see us in Peter, Lord God. Help us to recognize how our bad traits can come out, Lord God. Lord, help us to recognize these in Peter, Lord God, and I thank you for having this recorded in your holy scripture that we can stand here this morning, Lord, all these years later and we can study it, Lord God, and we can recognize the fall of Peter, Lord God, and what we might do that we might not follow that same example. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you see there that Satan, Satan, Jesus Christ is warning Peter that Satan's about to sift you, and he's going to sift you and bring out your bad traits. Now everybody in this room has bad traits. Amen, Brother Gigan. I'll amen for you. Amen, Brother Keegan. Everybody has bad traits, <laughs> including the pastor. But what we tried to do, if you're any kind of Christian, is you try to hide those bad traits. Amen? Somebody, let me give you an example. Does anybody in here have a, a bad trait of having a bad temper? Well, let me speak in, in my little confessional that I have on some Sunday mornings. Let me do a little confessional to you. Brother Keegan kind of has a bad temper. So what I try to do is I try to suppress that bad temper. And what I've learned to do is if somebody gives me, sets me off like a firecracker, because I'm Irish, I blame it on my Irish blood. Amen? I'm half Irish, half German, and have a little bit of Indian in me. So like I'll fire off like a firecracker like an Irishman does, and then I'll coldly calculate like a German how I might kill you. Irish-German, amen? And then my Indian, that's when I get all kinds of wild. I blame it on my blood, but the truth is that I'm, I'm who I am and I have a bad temper, so I have to try to suppress this. And I've learned to try to take those people that bring out my bad temper, try to get rid of those people. If, I, if uh, What would used to bring up my temper was I'd watch uh, Fox News or watch, uh, listen to Rush Limbaugh, and I'd hear all this stuff about the government, and what is that? that's got my blood to boil And I'd get madder, and I'd get madder, and I'd realize I can't do nothing about it. It's a waste of time. So I cut that stuff out of my life, best decision, not the best decision, one of the good decisions I made in my life was cutting all that trash out because it was stirring me up. We all have bad traits. We all try to suppress them. And the devil's job is, his job, what he wants to do is to take you and to sift you and try to bring those bad traits up to the top. So everybody can see it. You know that co-worker you have that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? You know that co-worker that knows you're a Christian? Satan wants them to see the bad trait that's in you. Amen. Satan loves that. Satan loves for that, that non-believer, that unbeliever, that one that's been looking at you because they know you're a Christian and see you do that bad trait come out in you, and them to say, see, that's what a Christian does. I don't want to be any part. Of. They want, that's what the devil loves. That's why it's so important, Christian, to try to suppress those bad traits. Try to let the Lord Jesus Christ help us to keep those things hidden, keep them beat down. Because in your flesh dwelleth no good thing. We talked about that in Sunday school. So let's look at this six-step process of Peter's fall as he falls. Look at verse 33. And he said unto him, this is Peter, Lord... I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and into death. He's boasting. The first step of his fall is he starts boasting. And do you blame him? Peter's been walking with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. And he's seen Jesus Christ perform miracles. He's seen Jesus Christ raise people from the dead. He's seen Jesus Christ do all kinds of wonders. He's seen Jesus Christ walk on water. Peter himself was allowed to walk on water with Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ is telling that, what does Peter say? I'm willing to go to death for you, Lord. I'm ready to go to prison for you. Why is he boasting? He's boasting because he's seen Jesus Christ almost get stoned and just walk through the people. Yeah. That's like somebody who's in gym class and the best guy in gym class gets picked and you get on his team. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm ready to play this game. I'm ready to play this game. You ever been there before? I have. We, the, 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 the best basketball player that you know in the five-county area is on your team, you're like, I can't wait to play. I can be the worst player, and we're going to whip this team. <laughs> That's the way it was with Peter. Peter says, man, I've got Jesus. He doesn't fail. Nobody, he, even people come up and try to argue with him. He He calls them out. He straightens them out. If he doesn't straighten them out with his mouth, he takes a cord and he gets a cord and he whips them out of the temple and throws their tables over. Man, Jesus was a man's man and it made Peter a boaster. And that's how we can be. Amen? Amen. We can be boastful and forget that it's all because of Jesus Christ. That it's not us. And I think Peter kind of forgot that. He started forgetting that, hey, it's not you, Peter. Peter. It's Jesus Christ. And as soon as Jesus Christ falls, you know what's going to happen to Peter? He's going to fall. And as soon as Jesus Christ is not working in you, Christian, you're not working for the Lord anymore. The scariest thing for a pastor or a preacher, and I've heard different ones talk about it, is when they do something wrong or they act a certain way or they do something way and they say, the Lord, I'm afraid the Lord's took me and put me on a shelf. And what a preacher means by that is the Lord's not using me anymore. He said, I'm done with you. And I'm just going to put you over here. Because the Lord's not working through them. The Lord's not using them. And it's from boasting. And a Christian can forget that it's Jesus in us working this stuff out of us. Because what dwelleth in us, I'm going to say it one more time, according to Paul, what dwelleth in us in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. We need to remember. And Peter here is boasting. Hey, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee. Hey, I'll go anywhere with Jesus, because for three and a half years, everything was wonderful. Everything was a rose garden, wasn't it? Hey, Amen. Everything was wonderful for three and a half years, but guess what? Everything's about to change. Christian, you ever experienced that? Living for the Lord, going to church, everything's going great. I th- oh, mean, you got all the joy, you got all the peace, and then something comes into your life and rocks the boat. Be it a health issue, family issue, financial issue. Maybe you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning, and you just like, well, I don't know about this. Where was the boasting yesterday? We need to be careful of that. Verse 34, and he said, Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall, crow this not, shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice to die that thou knowest me. He said, the cock's not going to crow until you deny me three times. Verse 35, and he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip, a purse would be something you take money in, a little bag and scrip would be like a little small bag you take like your belongings in. And he said, I sent you and sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said, Nothing. Now remember, we've been studying this in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus Christ, He sent them out and He says, don't you take a script, don't take a purse, just take your shoes, don't take any food, they're going to take care of you, don't worry about it, and and don't worry about taking a sword, just go on and they're going to take care of you, because He was sending them out to the nation of Israel. But now He's telling them that things are about to change. Verse 36, then said He unto them, but now... He that hath a purse, let him take it. you got some money, take it with you. And likewise his script, take your little bag, your backpack. And he, hath, he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. You didn't have a sword, go get you a sword. Why? You're going to need it for self-defense. Because what the Lord's about to do, is he's about to send his disciples after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. Things are going to change. He's going to send his disciples out to the known world, out to the Gentiles, around the robbers and the thieves. They're going to be going out into the far reaches of the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before they were only going to Israel, the little local community. Now they need a sword, they need the bag, they need the money. That sword is for self-defense, and that's important to know as we get in later to the story. Verse 37, For I say unto you that this that is written must ye be yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. He's talking about the crucifixion going to be crucified, verse 38, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords, and he said unto them, it is enough, it is enough now, we're going to find out later in these verses that one of those two swords was owned by Peter, does that surprise you, (laughs) I don't want to ask who brought a gun into church this morning, anybody bring a gun in this morning, anybody willing to admit it, we're not on Facebook, the government's not watching you, Does it scare you to know I got one right underneath here? <laughs> I don't have a gun underneath here. I'm just messing with you. When we were down in Corpus, down at Brother Welder's church, he had an armed cop, had an armed officer that guarded the door. And when you walked up, to the, the door's locked. And the, uh, the cop had to let you in. It, in full uniform, Corpus Christi, full uniform, you know, gun, everything. He'd let you in and let you come on in. Or he wouldn't let you in. I'm thankful he let me in. But that every service we went to, I think we went to three services, and they all, always had a cop there guarding the door. I thought that was pretty interesting. Verse 39, And he came out and went, as he went was wont, this is Jesus, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, now the place would be the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to go, he's about to be arrested, he's about to be betrayed by Judas, he knows that, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going to pray about it, and that's where all the disciples are following him. Verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. He says, Pray that you don't enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That cup of suffering. What the Lord's praying, Jesus Christ is praying as a son of man, he's saying, Lord, if you're willing, don't, I don't want this to happen to me. Because he knows he's about to be crucified, all the, the pain and the agony and beat on and whipped and spit on, and then he's going to take the sins, all our sins in this room, all the sins of the world are going to be put on him at the cross of Calvary. He said, well, what's, that? what's going on here? Here's a man that's never sinned, who's righteous and holy and sinless. It's about to take the sins of all the world on him. And he's praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be. Remove this cup, that cup of suffering. Verse 43, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So an angel shows up, and an angel's there with Jesus Christ, and the angel's strengthening him, getting him ready for this, what he's about to go through, through the crucifixion. And verse 44, and being in agony, our Lord and Savior being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, he's more serious in his prayer, and his sweat... Was as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The Bible says that the, his bl- sweat was turned into like blood, red drops, as they, they just drip down off of him. That's a medical condition that's brought on by stress. The medical condition is called hematohydrosis. I hope I pronounced that right. But it is a medical condition that if you get, you can be so stressed out that your, your sweat can turn to look like blood, just red, because you're so stressed out. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ as he's praying. But look at verse 45. This is the next step of Peter's fall. And when he rose up, the Lord rose up from the prayer and was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. They're sleeping. They're sleeping instead of praying. Verse 46, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter in a temptation. Keep your hand here, but turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26 gives us a little more of a description of what happens right here. Matthew records a little bit more into this, and i want to point it out. And I think it's important to point it out. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 37, if you're following along in your Bible. I encourage you to, to turn with me. Look at verse, we'll look at verse 36 to get the context. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, there you go, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That's James and John, This is what I was just talking about. See, he goes and he's praying with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. And he gets down in the garden of Gethsemane and he starts praying and he says, "Okay guys, y'all, let's pray that we won't get into temp- you won't be you won't be led in temptation." And he goes, "Hey Peter, hey James, hey John, come follow me. I want y'all to follow me." And he takes them off by himself and he tells them that what he's about to tell them. And he said, "Took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy." And we read about that. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here, and watch, watch with me. Now skip down to verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them sleep. That's what we just read. But notice what he says. And saith unto Peter, not to James and John. He says unto Peter, specifically. And saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? He asked him to pray. He says, Can can you not just pray and watch with me one hour? Now why would he point, why would he, why would he do that to Peter? James and John were there. But it says specifically that he points out that to Peter. Notice, he saith unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Now why would he just point out Peter? Because wasn't it just one hour before that? What did Peter say? Lord, I'll die for you. I'll go to prison for you but I can't stay up and pray with you. So one of the steps of the fall of Peter was he was sleeping when he should have been praying. One of the faults of the local church, one of the faults of this church, one of the faults of any church you'll find in America or anywhere in the world, the main fault of any church you'll find is prayer life. We're not praying enough. We're not talking to the Lord enough. We're not spending more time in prayer. We're spending more time on our phone then we are talking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand the power of prayer? If you did, you, would not, you wouldn't be taking prayer lightly. Samuel said in the, in the Old Testament, Samuel said, it, it, it'd be a sin for me not to pray for you. I'm afraid when we get to heaven the Lord's going to call a lot of us out for not praying to it. We're praying and not watching. We're praying and not watching. Some of us are saying, some of us say, Lord, I'll." I'll I'll clean the church for you. I'll vacuum the church for you, Lord. I'll, I'll teach Sunday school for you. I'll, I'll clean the bathrooms for you, Lord. I'll, but I'll do anything but pray for you. Just pray. I'll admit that one of my downfalls of a Christian is my prayer life. I don't have enough of a prayer life. and I don't know about y'all, but when I, we sing that song. Uh, Matthew and Wade pick out that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. That convicts me every single time. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer? It's more like a sweet couple of minutes of prayer. Amen? I need more prayer life. And I remember one time I decided, I got so convicted about it, I was like, I'm going to get up earlier in the morning so I can pray. So I set my alarm and I got up early in the morning. You know what Brother Keegan did? The first couple of weeks probably I was praying. And you know what happens? The flesh takes over. Then I start getting up, you know what I start doing? Now I have more time to play on my phone. God forbid. God forbid we're not watching and praying. We're actually sleeping. And Peter's downfall was, oh, he was courageous for the Lord. He was willing to die for the Lord. He's willing to go to prison for the Lord. But when the Lord commanded him and told him, Pray that you won't be led in temptation. Pray and watch with me. Just this one hour, watch with me. The Lord comes back and he finds Peter and he's asleep. He's like, Peter, what, could you not watch me one hour? Look at verse 41. Watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. You know why you don't pray more? Because your flesh is weak. You ever been like me? Like, okay, I'm going to pray, especially at night. All right, Lord, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flesh, man, you notice how if you, if you have trouble falling asleep, try praying. You'll fall asleep really quick. Amen. That's my flesh. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, "Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Verse 43, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them. And went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. The Lord went by. That's that that number three. That three times of prayer we need to be doing. Verse 45. Then cometh he to his disciples, saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Now let's turn back to Luke chapter 22. I want to point out there as I read that, I wanted to read that to you because I want to let you know the Lord understands. I, was, I know it seems like I might be stepping on your toes this morning about prayer and I might be hitting on you and you might be saying, why is that preacher saying that? that? But the Lord Jesus Christ, even if I don't understand and I'm, and I'm hammering myself about it too, I'm, picking, I'm not just picking on you, I'm picking on me. The Lord understands. We got a graceful Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord. He loves us. He puts up with a lot off of us, doesn't he? Let's go on to verse 47 of Luke chapter 22. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So one of them, and the Bible tells us in John that this was Peter. In John 18, you can read John 18, you'll find out that that was Peter that said that. And that is Peter that's going to pull out his sword. Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And he says, Lord, shall we, shall we smile with the sword? Lord, shall we fight? And before Jesus Christ can answer him, Peter pulls out a sword and whack. And evidently the, the high priest service there and he's like, whoa. And he turns his head like that and that sword goes, quick, and just cuts off his ear. Cuts off his right ear. Just, whoa. Cuts off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, suffer you this far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Jesus just, I heard. This one preacher said, Jesus just reached down, grabbed that ear, went, put it back on that guy. <laughs> Probably how it happened, amen? Probably how it happened. Our Jesus Christ can do just about anything he wants to do. But the point is that Peter's smiting instead of listening. Jesus, Peter's smiting instead of listening. Instead of listening to what the Lord wants to do, instead of waiting for the Lord to give an answer, the, for waiting for an answer from the Lord, he runs ahead of the Lord. And he does something the Lord's not happy with, and he pulls out his sword and he tries to fight. See, when Peter was up there saying, "Lord, I'll die for you," Lord, I'll go to prison for you. See, Lord, what Jesus Christ, what he's thinking in his mind is the Lord wants him to fight. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. And then he's given the second confirmation when the Lord says, "Hey, you know when I sent you out and you didn't need a sword, you better go find one." And they're like, well, we got two of them here, and Peter has one. You know, Peter's holding that sword strong, and he's holding holding that sword tight, and he can't wait to use that sword. And here they come. And he's been sleeping; he's been getting his rest, and he hadn't been doing what the Lord wants him to do. But he's ready to fight anyway. He said, "Lord, you want us to fight? You want us to smite?" And before the Lord can answer, he pulls. "Ah." He made a mess of things. The Lord never intended him to fight. You'll find out as I go through the rise of Peter. As you go through the book of Acts, you'll find out not one of them are carrying a sword. And they get arrested, they get beat, they get stoned, you don't see them fighting back. Not one Christian. You see them martyred. You see them killed, you see them whipped, you see them beat. You see Peter getting beat, and Peter glorifying Jesus Christ because he was worthy to get beat for the name of Jesus Christ. That's a different Peter than the one you're seeing right here. Jesus Christ said, as recorded in Matthew 26. He said, I could have 12 legions of angels right here, Peter. 12 legions of angels. There's three to 5,000 soldiers to a legion. He said, 12. What is it Jesus saying? I could have a legion for me, and I could have a legion for you other 11 disciples. That's 12. Jesus and the 11 disciples. I could have a legion for each one of us to fight. And he doesn't need them. And Jesus doesn't want them. Because that's what Jesus came to this earth to do was to go get beaten with for mine and your sins, and to die so me and you could have a place up in heaven. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we do as Christians is we run ahead of the Lord and what the Lord wants, to, wants us to do. What that bad trait is, and I've been showing you some bad traits in Peter, and what this bad trait in Peter is, is in a lot of us, it's called impatience. We don't have patience. We think the Lord should do something right now. Why doesn't the Lord heal me right now? Why doesn't the Lord do this, fix this problem right now? Why doesn't the Lord work right now? I prayed and prayed, and the Lord's not answering this prayer right now. The Lord says, wait, wait, wait. You know they say hindsight's twenty twenty, 20 and there's not a, not a more true statement because... I know in my Christian walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, how many times I've begged the Lord for something, prayed for something, begged the Lord, and He didn't give it to me. And then maybe 10 years later, I look back, I'm like, ooh, I'm glad the Lord didn't answer that prayer. Ooh, praise God. And at that time, I was like, Lord, why won't you answer it? Lord, why won't you? And man, the Lord knew better than me. That's a sin that we need to watch ourselves about. Look at verse 53. Jesus says, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but in this in your hour, and this is your hour in the power of darkness, talking about them that are resting him. Verse 54, then took they him, took Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Peter followed afar off. For the fourth step of Peter's fall, the fourth step of Peter's fall is, he started following Jesus afar off. And Peter followed afar off. Usually Christians, they see the reproach of Christianity... They see the mocking of Christianity. They might get saved, and they take Jesus Christ because it's a free gift, and they see the goodness of Christ. They see the goodness of getting into heaven. They see the goodness of having your sins cleaned and, cleaned, and we all love that goodness, but what happens with a lot of Christians is they take that free gift of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ starts walking, and they start following Jesus, and they're walking right along with Jesus, and then they start getting the reproach. They start getting mocked. They start getting ridiculed. They start getting yelled at. They start getting made fun of, and they start backing off. They're like, hmm, this isn't so much fun. I think I'll let Jesus just walk on ahead of me because this isn't much fun at all. That's one of the steps and the downfalls of Christianity is being ashamed of Jesus Christ. Isn't that one of our bad traits? We're too ashamed of Jesus Christ to invite somebody to church. We're too ashamed of Jesus Christ to tell them, just tell somebody, hey, Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. Jesus Christ saved me. We come, sometimes we can be too ashamed and we can start following afar off. It's easy to follow Christ afar off. Watching what's happening up ahead, it's real easy to do that. Because when you're following afar off, when you're watching Christ from afar off, you don't have to take any of the heat. You don't have to take any of the ridicule. You don't have to take any of the, the problems He's taking. You don't have to take any of the mocking. The, you don't have to take any of that. You can follow afar off, but you're getting all of the blessings. At least you think you are, but you're really not. Listen to me, guys. The best moments of my Christian walk with the Jesus Christ have been the moments when I've been walking right in hand with Jesus Christ. And I've had people tell me, you're acting weird. You're acting strange. You're being a Bible thumper. You're being a Jesus freak. And those are the best moments of walking with Jesus Christ when I've been closest to the Lord is when I've took the most ridicule. When I've been furthest away from the Lord, that's when the world loves me. <laughs> You're a good old boy. I like you. You're, you're a good old boy. I like you as a Christian. You don't, pu- you don't push your Christianity off on me. Man, that, that convicted me. I like you. Oh, yeah, huh? I like you because you're a preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't push it off on me. You don't push your, I'm like, oh. That's the worst thing. Somebody. It'd been better if they'd called me a dog. What does that say? I'm not doing my job. I should be a salt into the world. I should be a light unto the world, not somebody that's in the world and you can't tell us apart, amen? If I'm in the world, you should say, there's something different about them. There's something different about her. There's something about them. There's a lot about them. They're weird. They're strange. They're different. I don't like them. They, want, they should be mocking us. If they're not mocking and ridiculing you, maybe you're not walking too close to the Lord. Maybe he's real far ahead of you. And that's what is doing. He was following afar off, verse 55. And when they had kindled they fire in the midst of the hall because that's where they had Jesus kept and were set down together. Peter sat down among them. The fifth and next to the last trait, next to the last step of Peter's fall was he sat down with the ungodly. Peter sat down with the ungodly. So what happens in your Christian walk is you start boasting, you start thinking that Everything's going great in life, and there's nothing bad could happen, that Jesus Christ is the best thing that happened to you, and of course He is. And then you start thinking that you have something to do with that, and you start thinking it's your work, and it's your goodness, and it's your righteousness. And before long, you're boasting, and you take a step back. And before long, you'll find yourself sleeping, and you're sleeping when you should be praying. You're sleeping when you should be praying. And before long, you start looking, you start, you start running ahead of the Lord. You start getting disgruntled because you've been praying and these prayers, these prayers aren't getting answered in a timely manner, like you think they should be answered. And before long, you're kind of far off, and Jesus Christ is up ahead of you. And you hear it—you hear that still small voice where the Lord is looking back, and the Lord said, "Come on, catch up with me. Come on, catch up with me." And you're like, "I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I want to go that way. I don't know if that's the way I want to go." And before long, at the, one of the last, next to the last steps, Peter does—he sits down with the ungodly. He starts hanging out. With unbelievers. With unbelievers. If you stop going to church and fellowshipping with believers, you're going to start hanging out with non-believers. It's just the way it goes. Amen. You're going to stop if you stop going to church, you stop hanging around with, hanging out and fellowshipping with believers, what are you doing? There's it's only it, it the, the Bible's real plain. It's it's one side of the corner of the other. It's black and white. There's no gray areas in there. The Bible never gives us these gray areas. The world, the world likes to think, give you these gray areas. There's no gray areas. It's either sin or not sin. It's either you're a sinner or you're saved. You're either going to heaven or going to hell. Amen. It's heaven and hell. It's black and white. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between. The world likes to give that to you. Man likes to create these things and give you these ideas. But with God, there's no ideas like that. You're either holy or unholy. You're either righteous or unrighteous. You're either sitting with the godly or sitting with the believers. You're either set with the godly or set with the ungodly. You're either seven with the believers or unbelievers. One or the other. And if you stop going to church, you stop fellowship with Christians. What you're going to start doing is start to sit with the unbelievers. Be ye not not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, Paul says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? One of the biggest mistakes I see in Christian walk, I've seen this a lot, I even made this same little mistake with my Christian walk, is you start thinking, my good is going to rub off on them. My good, my righteousness that I have in Jesus Christ is going to rub off on them. It doesn't rub off on them. It's actually the opposite. Your bat, their bat is going to rub off on you. Every time. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen. One bad apple ruins the rest of the good apples. Amen. Some of us are never going to get that. If I, gave, if, I, if I took this glass of water right here, this is a clean glass of water, and I took one little drop of sewer water and dropped it in here. Do you want to drink it? Come on, get out of here. Do you see where I'm going with this? You're not going to rub off your good on them. Their bad's going to rub off on you. And Peter sits down with the ungodly. He starts sitting down with non-believers. Man, what a miserable Christian that is. It's a miserable Christian. You know this trait that you see in Peter, it even showed up in Galatians. Y'all were here on Wednesday night studying Galatians with me. Remember when Peter, Paul called out Peter because... Paul showed up and Peter was sitting down and then whenever, he was sitting down eating with the Gentiles and as soon as the Jews showed up, he started sitting down with only Jews. This is a bad trait of Peter and it shows up multiple times in the scripture where he sits down with the ungodly. He sits down with the non-believers. Verse 56, But a certain maid beheld him as it sat by the fire and earnestly looked up upon him and said, This man was also with him. She recognizes Peter. And he denied him deny Jesus, saying, woman, I know him not. Let me tell y'all something. Christian, you save Christians, you save believers, you think you can sit down with unbelievers and they won't recognize that Christ is in you, you got another thing coming. They recognize it. They know there's something different about you. You know what? The Holy Spirit never leaves you. Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Holy Spirit's in you, and you're a child of God. You don't don't need to be down in the hog pen. And the hogs recognize it. The hogs say, we're hogs. We're down in the mud. We're wallowing in the mud. This is what we like. And you're a sheep. And the sheep don't like the mud. And the hogs, the pigs, they recognize the sheep and say, man, what are you doing down here? What are you doing out here in this bar? What are you doing down here drinking? And God forbid you be in a bar, being somewhere you're not supposed to be, and you mention to them, yeah, I'm a Christian. What are you doing here? Amen. That's what they'll do. Say, how do you know that, pastor? Because they did it to me, (laughs) and they're going to do it to you. You sit down with the unbelievers; they're going to recognize you. And she says, verse fifty-seven. He says, "No, I I don't know Jesus, woman. I know him not." And after a little while, another saw him and said, "Thou art also of them." And Peter said, "Man, I am not." And about the space of one hour after another confidentially affirmed, saying, Of a truth this fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean. They recognize his speech. Recognizes way of manner of speaking. The Bible is recorded in Matthew that Peter cussed. Blankety blank blank, I don't know Jesus. You blankety blank. He cursed and swore. That's what the Bible says. Verse 60, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. just like Jesus said. The final fall of Peter was his denial of Jesus Christ. Just, listen to me, just mere hours from saying, Jesus, I'll die for you, I'll go to prison for you, I'll do anything for you, Lord Jesus, and within hours, he's denying Jesus three times don't be in this church thinking that'll never happen to me that's a guy that walked with Jesus for three and a half years three and a half years one of the most humbling verses in the Bible for me personally is verse 61 and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he had said unto him, before the cock "Crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. One of the most humbling verses in verse 61 is the look of the Lord on Peter. The Bible says that Peter is there and he's denying him, he's denying him, he cusses, I don't blankety-blank know him, I don't know who you're talking about. And the cock crows and he hears it and he looks and Peter sees Jesus and Jesus is looking at him just looking, with that knowing look that only the Lord can give us. And Peter remembers what the Lord said, and it says he went out and he wept bitterly. That's repentance. That's repentance. When a Christian gets that low in the barrel, the Christian, and I've been here, that's why I could preach this, you get so low in the barrel, you've been so far away from the Lord that you're to the point where you're denying him, and the Lord says, what are you doing? And you get that look from the Lord and it breaks your heart. Why does it break Peter's heart? Because the Lord Jesus Christ still loves him. And the Lord Jesus Christ still loves you no matter where you're at this morning. I don't know if you're in one of these six steps right now, but I can hear to tell you that Jesus Christ still loves you. He loves you. So How are you so sure about that? Did you forget verse 32? Go back up. Let's close. Let's close this out. Let's go back up. Go all the way back up to verse 32. Remember what Jesus Christ said to Peter? He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to bring out your bad traits, Simon. He wants to bring these bad traits out in you, Simon. But look at verse 32. This is what we need to remember. Christian, this is what you need to remember. Jesus Christ said to Peter what he's saying to you, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Do you know, Christian, that the Lord's praying for you this morning? Bad Christian. Sorry, no good Christian. Christian that has denied Jesus Christ. The Lord is praying for you that your faith fail not. I'm praying that you'll keep your faith. The Lord's on your side. See, that's... The Satan's trick, Satan's trick is you get down, you're at the bottom of the barrel, you've denied Christ, you've done something you shouldn't do, you're ashamed, you're down in the, you just, you don't, there's no way, and Satan wants you to believe that Jesus Christ doesn't love you, and you're done for. And Jesus Christ is there saying, here, let me help you up, I want to help you. Man, we serve a great Savior. Tell me how Muhammad would give that to you. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be attack other somebody else's religion. I'm just trying to speak truthfully. Tell me how Buddha is going to help you. Tell me how Muhammad could help you. Tell me how the Pope could help you. When you have the man, Christ Jesus, that loves you enough to die for you. And when you're at the bottom of the barrel after he's done so much for you to say, hey, I'm here praying for you. Mm. Mm. that's why I sing praises to Jesus Christ very loud. And that's why I sit over here and I raise my hand and I glorify God and I sing loud. I can't sing, but I sing loud anyway because Jesus Christ has done so much for me. I have prayed for thee and that, that thy faith fail not and when, not if, and when thou art converted. Not, when, not if, but when. When you come through the other side, And you will, Christian, come through the other side. Amen. Some of the best Christians I know, some of the best preachers I know, some of the best pastors I know have been at the bottom of the barrel, been right where Peter's at, went those six steps down, and have denied Jesus Christ, tried to get away from Jesus Christ, and now they're on fire for the Lord. And the Lord said, I knew it all along. Because it's not if, it's when. You see it? It's not if, it's when. Peter, you're going to do all of that. And when you do all of that, when, when you're converted, when you come back, and Peter does, amen. Y'all know the story. Look, strengthen, finally strengthen, die, brethren. Jesus is going to allow you, Christian, to have your faith Shaken. Satan, he's going to allow Satan to come in your life and he's going to sift you and some of your bad traits are going to come out and you're going to do stuff you shouldn't do. You're going to think things you shouldn't think. Maybe you're going to say something you shouldn't say. The Lord says, when that happens, I'm going to forgive you and I want you to take that and I want you to use that to help other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he says. When thou art converted, strengthen, die Brethren, I'm here to tell you, I don't know where you're at in your Christian walk, and I don't need to know. That's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. But I'm here to tell you this morning, wherever you're at, the Lord will take you, and He'll lift you up, and He'll forgive you, and He'll let you back in. You're not you're saved, amen. He'll let you back in. He'll lift you up, and He'll say, come on, let's go do something for the Lord. And now you're going to use that to help other brothers and sisters in Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the grace and mercy you give us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody out there that's dealing with one of these steps, Lord God, maybe they feel like they're slipping away, Lord God. Maybe they're falling afar off. Maybe they're sitting with the ungodly, Lord. I, I don't know what might be happening in their life, Lord God, but I pray I know, Lord, that you'll forgive them. And Lord, I know, Father, as this prayer altar is open, Lord God, that you, you're way down here for them, Lord, if they need to come on down. But if they want to sit right there and get right with you, Lord, either way, Lord, I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will move Work, Lord God. Help them, Lord God, to get right with you, Lord. And Lord, help me to be a better Christian, Lord. And help me not to stumble back and get far off from you, Lord. Help me not to sit with the ungodly, Lord God. I, I pray I want to sit with you, Lord. The, mo- the best joy I've had in my life, the best excitement, the best peace I've ever had, Lord, is when I'm walking with you, sitting with you, fellowshipping with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving us. And thank you, Lord, that we come to a throne of grace. And not a throne of condemnation. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying on the cross for us for our sins. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have an invitation brother. Hello friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us. You can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com On the internet it's IndianGapBaptist.com But I have a question for you.